Hello world, welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the show that educates, stimulates, and rejuvenates the mind. And we do this by way of interactive dialogue and deep conversations. Welcome once again. Check me out on the internet at www.vincenttedwards.com. It is truly an honor and a pleasure today for me to have as a guest on the show today, the world-renowned Dr. Judy Mantrell. And we're going to talk about what she does, who she is, her life, her contributions. But like always here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, we start off with a prayer. And today we're going to be blessed to have our prayer done today by Dr. Judy Mandrell. Dr. God bless you, Pastor Vincent Edwards. Uh, May we pray. Father, we thank you today for another day that you have given to us. We thank you because you are God. You are a protector. You are a provider. You are a healer. And we thank you. And God, we thank you because you do all things well. It is in you that we move and have our being. We pray that this podcast will bless someone, that hope will be stimulated, faith will grow. And God, we just ask you to move by your power, move by your might. We thank you for your healing. God, we thank you now for your healing. As those who listen, if there's any infirmity, any sickness, we pray that you heal. Now let your voice come through us as we talk and bless your people on tonight. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And our inspirational verse of scripture tonight on this podcast will be coming from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And from that scripture, Dr. Judy Mandrell, I've looked at your bio. I've read it all, but I want you to share with my listening audience what's your story. Wow. Pastor Edwards, thank you again, sir, for having me on for this great conversation. I am Judy Mandrell. I am the wife of Gerald Mandrell. We've been married now for 39 years. It'll be 40 years in October, October the 17th, 2021. We will be married for 40 years. I am a child of God who has been sent by him to help people come into the knowledge of who they are. I, he has blessed me to do so many things, man. I mean, so many things. And it's all because of him. It's all because he saw fit to put me in the ministry to serve his people. So everything I do is because of serving him. So I have my own radio show, The Real Talk with Judy, live radio show. I have The Real Talk Sister Girls Network. I have the Dream Builders Greatness Family Affairs, the Dream Builder Child Development Center. Uh, I pastor with my husband, Life Changes Church of God in Christ. Uh, I'm in the community. I serve as a community. They say activist, but I like to say a community builder 
and unifier of the people. That's what I like to say. Um, just doing so many things to help people come into the knowledge of who they are. Um, and I enjoy it. I have fun uh, in life. I enjoy life. But the ultimate goal is to win people to the kingdom of God, to serve him. I believe that every single person God sent on this earth, he sent them for a purpose. I believe that he created us. Uh, and then when he wanted us and he didn't create us and then think of something, he already had things in place. Then he created us and sent us here to fulfill that purpose on life. And so that's what I do. Uh, God has blessed me to receive so many accolades, so many honors, and it's all because of him. I believe that every single person is special to God. I honestly believe that. And that's how I live my life. I live my life getting people to understand you're valuable. All right. You're worth it. That's what I do, Pastor. Oh, all right. Yeah. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to take, I'm going to, I want to take my listening audience back because I want them uh -huh. to see everything. So when you started out with all this community stuff as a child, why you used to give away your mama stuff? <laughs> let's, 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 let's talk about that. See, I, I want you to share your story. Talking about, you know, I do all this. I do all that. But now nah, let, 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 let's tell a real story. How, how did this all begin? You know? Okay, it all started because my mom and dad, now check this out, Pastor. So my mom and dad always helped people, right? They mm -hmm. always provided for people. We was coming in from Avalanche Cola. I think I was 12 years old. All my sisters and brothers, we were in a in in a impala. An impala. Oh, going back. You probably, don't, you probably don't remember that. Oh, Do you we don't, that? Hey, I don't want to go back there. You talking about that impala. That, that. <laughs> yes, sir. That impala. I, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. You, you okay. Take, uh, you, some of my listening audience know what you're talking about. That old kind of <laughs> ride, ride. Oh, yes, sir. And you know, it was big, right? Yes. And so we, he, on the way from Apalachicola on the dark road, my dad picked this man up and put him in the car with us, right? And the guy was <laughs> from Africa, street? but off the street <laughs> and brought us and, and brought him all the way back to Fort Lauderdale where the guy had nowhere to go. Guess where he stayed at? In our house. What? Right? Yeah, he stayed with us. And his name was Kim Duru. We call him. We call him. <laughs> I we, think I know what you call him. Yeah, that's what we call him. We call him. We call him Kim Duru. That's what we call him. I know that's what you was going to say. Yeah, yeah, because he was from Africa, right? Mm -hmm. And so he had no place to go. Who else he stayed with us? He stayed in our house. So as a child, we saw our parents do this all the time. Well, I thought we was rich. I thought we was rich. I thought we had everything. I, man, I thought we had everything. So what I did, my dad, I used to like to stay in the project. I used to love to go to the project. Uh, they said they don't know why I did that, but I love, and we didn't live in the, in the project. Yeah. We lived in a, a nice neighborhood. We had a nice house. But you hung but out in I the project. A, I hung out in the project. I was attracted to the project. And, and, so my dad had a cow butcher and I looked in the deep freezer and I saw all this meat. I was like, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this meat to the project. I took all of the meat that was in the deep freezer, put them in pillowcases oh, no. and took them to the project. I sure did. And I gave it away. I stood out there and I said, hey, guess what? I got meat for everybody. I got steaks. I got sausage. I had everything. Boy, those people came out there 
and I gave away the food. I gave away all the food, and I was so excited that I was able to give out that food. Man, one well, day my dad went in there. To, <laughs> my dad went in there, passed it to get a steak. There was no steak. He called my mama. Oh my, where's the meat? And I, I joyfully stated, I gave it all away, Daddy. He said, "You did what?" I said, "I gave the meat away. I gave it to the project. I gave it to the people in the project." He just went in the room and closed the door. <laughs> he, he just closed the door. He didn't say anything to me. He just, and my mom came from the back of the house, looked in the deep freezer and said, Judy, you really gave away? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, mama, that's what we're supposed to do. She looked at me and went in the room as well. That they had spent a whole lot of money on that, on that food. Well, in the same, well, a week after or so, I took some of my mom's nice clothes and gave it to the women in the project because I felt like they deserved to have the best like my mama had. They love to see uh, you coming. They say, oh, here comes Judy. Here comes Judy. <laughs> but it, it, but it, I felt like I had an obligation. I felt like it was my duty. I felt like it was my responsibility to make sure others experienced the life I had. So I had no problem giving away stuff until my mom sat me down. She said, Judy, don't you take another thing out this house to give to anybody. She said, do you hear me? I said, but mama, we're rich. She said, Judy, <laughs> don't you take another thing out of this house to give to anybody. But guess what? I didn't take big items all at once. I just took them little bit by little bit because I always felt, Pastor, like that was, I was supposed to do that. So you felt I, that was I, your calling at an early I age. I felt that was my calling. That, that was my calling. And so I had to do it. And guess what? I've been doing it ever since. I know. It, yes, sir. It's it's like, it's like, I can't help it. It's, it's I really can't help it. It's like, it's like there is a push in me to give to folks. So is that what drove you that, that inner passion to uh, get a degree in social work? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It did. I told uh, my dad, said I told him at age five that God had called me to be an evangelist. He said that I told him that I'm supposed to be evangelist. Then I wanted to be a social worker because my mom became a person that I just admired. I just watched her give. She's 82 and the city of Fort Lauderdale is still honoring her. Wow. They're still honoring her. She retired from owning a, a child development center. She ran it for 45 years, but I watched her give and stuff. Right. And so I felt like, my calling in life from the Lord was found in Luke 4 and 18, where he said um, that I have a, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach uh, deliverance to the captain, recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that was um, them that were bruised. I felt like it was my obligation to help people come through. So the closest thing to evangelism was social work. Mm. So I became a social, and, and mind you now, I had a scholarship. Now, if I understood now what I understood back then, I would have done it in this order. But I had a scholarship to the School of Business at FAMU. Mm. But I went into social work because I wanted to learn everything I could about serving people. Outside of giving away everything to the pro in the project. <laughs> 
what was life like for you growing up in South Florida, down south, in Fort Lauderdale? What was life like? Okay, life was good. It really was. Life was good. And when I found out that Fort Lauderdale was supposed to be a mafia city, it's like it's like this. Okay, Pastor, you know, you're going to hear some crazy things right now. Check this out. Hey, you know this what this really is what want? this is all about. We want the people to know that you have your show called Real Talk. <laughs> we want to know the real Dr. Judy Madrid. <laughs> you know what I really wanted to do in life? I wanted to be in a game. I, I wanted I wanted. I just felt like I wanted to be a leader of a game. I wanted to be, I wanted to wear the black leather jacket. I wanted a, a cut on my face, a scar on my face. So you want you, you wanted to be the thug Robin Hood. You wanted to yes. go steal. <laughs> you wanted to go steal yeah. from the rich and get to, to the project. Steal from the rich. Yeah. Yeah, I want to be a thug Robin Hood. <laughs> and my pastor, my husband always teased me and said I'm a wanna be thug. But you know a lot of people think that I'm gangster like. They think I'm they they think I'm cool like that and all of that. But Fort Lauderdale was good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, the one there was only one part that wasn't quite that good that I understand. We were bused to South Plantation High School. So you went to South Plantation, huh? I went to South Plantation. Where did you go? Uh, Northeast Dilla. High School. I'm from Fort oh. Lauderdale, full disclosure. <laughs> Live down the street from Dilla High School, but they bust me all the way over to Northeast. Oh, they bust you to Northeast. And see, I thought I was going to Stranahan. Oh, Stranahan, okay. Yeah, because that's where everybody was going at in my neighborhood, the Stranahan. At least you ain't go to the uh, Halloween colors over there at BA. <laughs> Boy. At BA, I understand. <laughs> now I want to go on the board. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I wanted to go to Dilla, too. But I went to South, they bust us to South Plantation High School. South Plantation. And when we got out the bus, when I tell you those folks looked at us like we were really animals. And I could not believe it. Wow. I'm like, they're looking at us like, like we stole something. And yeah. so it was it was hard at first going to that school, but I was determined. And I and I I I, I established or organized rather a sit-in, a, a walk out of class for all the black people. From twelfth grade, from ninth grade to twelfth grade, I organized two other people and myself, we organized a walk out of class because we felt like the white teacher were was not was not treating us right. And so you were doing we, grassroots uh activism early then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was ninth grade. Um, another influence on my life was Angela Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like, I felt, number one, she had an IQ of 145. Mm. And I watched how she, you know, she was very militant. I wore a big afro. I had a pick in the top of my head with the black power fist on the on the uh, handle. Oh, uh, it, was, it, was it green and black? It was black. Black. It was black. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was black. And, and But I, I felt like my responsibility, again, was to get us to understand that we were we had the same right, the same ability to do what everybody else was doing. I felt like we had that right. I felt like we were supposed to do that. One of my best friends became Samantha Bird. She was a white girl. We took French together. I always got a B. She always got an A. But I knew French better than her. So one one day we we did our test and the only thing we I wrote her name on my paper, she wrote her name 
on her my name on her paper. Sure, sure enough, the name with her name on it, which was mine, got an A. Her paper, which was which was hers, got a, got a B that she had my name on it, and we knew right then that that teacher was prejudiced against me. Wow. That that was the defining point. But Samantha, she fought to get that change. We went to the principal and the dean. My gallus counselor told me this, Pastor. Hmm. Judy, the best you're going to be in it for anything is a secretary. I said, a secretary? What? I don't like the type. I don't like the right. I said, I'm going to have secretaries. That's what I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to college to get. And she said, that'll never happen. Hmm. And at that point, I went back. I told my mom and dad what that lady said. My mom and dad said, that's not what you know. You'll be a secretary you want to, and then you will have you will own secretaries. And so my mom and dad raised us with the belief that anything we wanted to do for real, we could do it. Even if we're doing it and we fail, we still could do it. And I proved to that lady, Miss Tally, I proved to her that I was much better than a secretary. I showed her the full scholarship I got in business, and she was like, Wow. And I told her, I said, I'm going to be a leader of people. I said, you better know that. I said, I'm going to always teach people that they can be better than what anybody think they can be. Wow. Yes, sir. So early on in life, you demonstrated yeah. leadership, influence, and not being afraid to interact with people. And not only that, but being a woman and a black woman at that how has that worked for you to this day, being strong with influence? How has that worked for you? Well, it had it, at, at first it was kind of um, hard, Pastor, to be honest, because a lot of people thought I was arrogant, uh, uh, just as bullheaded, strong-willed woman, uh, uh, and because it started early. Okay, so then my prayer became, God, how do I help others not be intimidated by me? I mean, I am confident. And confidence, what I've learned, don't really, it don't come from the inside. It comes from the outside. You know, my mom and dad, my sisters and my brother, they they built confidence within me. Okay, I am, I am bold, uh, courageous. And that's number one, because in the Bible, Philippians 4 and 13, that's a real scripture to me. That That is a real scripture to me. I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthened me. In Genesis, when he said that he created us in his image after his likeness, I believe that. And I believe that God created me to create, to continue what he does. I believe that with all my heart. And so that's the confidence I, I walk in, that he called me. He 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 had enough confidence. He counted me worthy to use me to serve his people. And that's the confidence I walk in. I walk in the confidence of him, not me. I walk in the confidence of him, Pastor. And so when when I walk in and I know people are intimidated, even to this day, dealing with people who become intimidated and insecure towards me or around me, or when I walk in, one of the things I've learned is to help them. Focus on their strength. Help them focus on their strength. Yes. How do I do that? By supporting their viewpoint. 
I, I ask them for their input, for their for their suggestion. I, I want to listen to their voice. I, I teach people that you have a voice. Your voice is just as good as mine. Your thoughts are just as good. And so that's how I deal with it because it hadn't always been easy. Walking and, and people looking at you funny. I'm like, what you looking at me funny for? <laughs> you know, why, why are you looking at me like that? No, that South Florida mentality. <laughs> Hope you ain't got oh, no blade in your pocket. <laughs> Look at here, Pastor. Look at here. Hey, we Look ain't always been saved. That's why they're gonna be I, real. I, I haven't, and I tell them now. God still left a little hood in me. It's it's in there. I just have to pray and fast to keep it down because keep it under if, you the hood. Clap too, <laughs> if you clap too much, you can't clap at me too much, Pastor. You can't, and you can't keep clapping because I clap back. You oh, know, my so Lord. oh yes, sir, I will. But I've just learned how to do it better now. Oh, that's, one, one of the, yeah, that's and, and so and even with a lot of men who are t- intimidated, I respect them. I don't, I don't try to flunt it or anything, but I do use it. Hmm. So let's let's look at it this way. I'm going to try to compartmentalize as, as much as I can, breaking yes. what, who you are down into basic three segments, uh, community, ministry, and marketplace. And when I talk about marketplace, I'm looking at, you know, business. Um, how do you find motivation and inspiration to participate in every aspect, you know, you have the ministry. We'll get into that, all the details on that and, and the positions that you hold. But in the marketplace with your your businesses, let's start in the community. How do you find time to do this and what motivates you and inspires you to keep going? And especially in this time of COVID. <laughs> my motivation and my inspiration is seeing people come into the knowledge of whom God has created predestined and sent them in this earth to be, and then witnessing them walk out what God has given to them. I, I believe, go back, going back to my why, I believe that God sent me here to help people do that. So I, it sounds I, I, like I, it's the helping them to find the power of purpose. Yeah. Their purpose. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and helping them do that, it, it motivates me. It inspires me. And, and even in this moment of COVID, during this time of COVID, just being cautious, using other methods. We have Zoom, we have um, StreamYard, um, uh, conference call, but I still go out because it's important to me that people walk in their purpose. Some people are afraid. Some some people, Pastor, have been told that they're they are they are not they're not able to do that. They they don't have the power to do that. They weren't meant to do that. Well my responsibility is to let them know you are. Your purpose on this in this earth, we must help you find so you can fulfill it. So in the community Give us an example of what you do outside of, you know, your your sister girls network. But are you heavily involved in politics, community activism, volunteering? What is it that you do, Dr. Judy, to make a difference? And I'm just going to say here in, in, in Leon County, in Tallahassee, what are the things you do in the community to make a difference? Okay. I, I am a coordinator, or one of the task force leaders of uh, the faith-based community. 
So I bring a lot of pastors and faith-based community community leaders together to come back a lot of things. We 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 organize prayer. We organize um, a conference call. We sit and we negotiate. We talk about what what is our responsibility to this community. I'm a part of the Tallahassee Human Resource Council, appointed by the mayor to this council to serve to make sure that the people in Tallahassee are treated equally, that they are included. So I sit on that council. I sit on the council, uh, the, uh, the commission for uh, the status of women and girls, making sure that women and girls are are treated fairly, that they that there are things in this city, in this community that, um, and that was a point, I was appointed that by one of the commissioners. It's a Leon County uh, city commission, a commission on the status of women and girls. So I sit there, I, I sit on the board of directors for the Big Ben Homeless Coalition, simply because I wanna make sure that our homeless are taken care of. I, I'm, I'm in women, I am the director of the committee of the women uh, for the NAACP. I'm the chair of the women in the uh, NAACP committee, simply because I have to make sure that we are taken care of. I sit on the committee of the spiritual advisory board for the Tallahassee Healing Prayer Ministry. Why do I do all of that? Simply because to help make sure that the people are treated fairly. Again, it's setting the captives free. It's making sure that they're increasing, that they're that they're doing. Open the doors for the blind. When it, before COVID started, I was um, uh, a teacher at the Gatson, um, um, one of the ministers at the Gatson Correctional Institute. Right, that's the prison, setting them free. Right, we've had people who've gotten out of the prison, and now they're members of our church. Wow! Because my job is to make sure my call from the Lord is to make sure that the captives, the poor, the blind, and all of that is taken care of. My my voice become a voice in at the table for all of the people that I just named. From the I community. was a Tallahassee peacemaker. From the, the South. All right. Hmm? Hey, we, you, you done ran down the list. We we, we got we gonna move on to the mystery. But what I like to do here is from the community aspect, share with us out of all the things that you do in the community, share with us one life changing moment, one thing that happened that changed your life and the life of the individual without me- mentioning any names. One one story for us. One story, Pastor, is I am also the executive director of the Dream Builders Family Affairs Program. Okay. There was a family that there was 10 people in the family. There was there was 12 people in, in the family, 10 children, a husband, a wife, and 10 children. They lived in a two and a half bedroom house. The vents was dirty. The house was as clean as it could be with 12 people living in there, two and a half beds, one bathroom. Uh, they had a black and white little TV that we had a long time ago with the hanger on the inside as the antenna. Oh, my Lord, that's going old school. Yes, sir. To go in that house and to take some guys in there with me to see, 
because the family affairs is designed to help home be sweet home again. Home sweet home. I don't know if you remember that. They used to say home sweet home. Yes, indeed. Was to make that be the family would enjoy coming in. Well, you can't enjoy being packed in a house with 12 people watching a little TV, no dining room table, people eating where they could, paint coming off the walls, the house need painting. One of the greatest things that happened, which would, would, would make me continue doing what I'm doing is, is when we went in, pulled those uh, vents out and put in new vents, put a 55 inch TV on the wall, mm. painted, bought a dining room table for that, that family, a dining room table for that family to see the smiles, to see the, 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 the life come into that family. That father was given a job. A couple of the people, because it's all about partnership too, right? We didn't do this by ourselves. We partner with other people in the community. Mm. But to see the heart and love of those children, to, to, to carve out a place in that little house where the time for the children, they can go there to help that family understand that you will have challenges, but as long as you got home to come home to, to help them understand that you don't have to come home angry and upset, that you can talk to each other. It took a while working with that, but to see the joy and peace coming at home, oh, pastor, that is community activist at its best, community building. Another one, we had a, we had a two-year-old and a three-year-old pastor who had never slept in their own bed and to buy beds for those two little children and to see them lie on that mattress and say, this is my bed. This is my cover. This is my building. My thing was, let's give God the glory. He is, he is moving. He is making to me. That's what life is all about. I totally agree. You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest today is Dr. Judy Mandrell, a life changer by way of activism, ministry, and doing things in the marketplace. And we're talking with her today, and she's having a great conversation and telling us about all the things that she's doing and all the things that she's done because her goal, her life's purpose, is helping people. Life changing changing people's lives, their minds, their hearts. Let's talk about ministry. Yes, sir. How did you get involved in ministry? And let's go way back, well, I'm way back in way God. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go way back, way back. Well, this is the thing, Pastor. I've always loved church. I've always loved church. I became a drummer at the age of 12, anointed to play by the Lord. And I played the drums for some of everybody. So I love church. Even when I hadn't given my life to the Lord, I love being in church. I always knew that the Lord had a call on my life to be an evangelist. I knew that. Now, I ain't always done things right. And I did something. <laughs> <laughs> I did some. Now, there's some things I'm going to my grave with. Oh, yeah, nobody's going to know about no, that. Nobody but you and God. The Me Father, and God Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's it. Hello. Yeah, there's something that would never be told. 
You know, but unless the Lord reveal them, and he ain't revealed them in all these years. He ain't going to reveal them. Um, uh, he but gonna, um, he going to cover it with love. <laughs> he done covered He done covered it. You hear me? They say he threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. They ain't scripture, but he didn't put it. He, it ain't in his sight. <laughs> yes, Lord. He don't hold me accountable for that. Right? Right, right. Yeah. He has forgiven me for that. And so when I when I finally gave my life to the Lord. I'm, I'm gonna tell. I want to tell this part. Yeah, tell it. I finally gave my life to the Lord. Number one, this is what happened first. I was sitting on the set in FAMU University, mm. from, well, not FAMU University, uh, Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. All right, go ahead. FAMU. 1887. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I was sitting on the set, McGuinn, sitting out there, high as I don't know what. I mean, I was high. Mm. And I heard the voice of the Lord. And people say, God don't talk to sinners. Yes, he does. I'm a witness. And I heard him say this. Judy, I didn't call. I didn't make you for this. I'm looking around in the sky. I'm looking everywhere. Because when nobody's sitting right there but me. <laughs> when, and I heard an audible voice. I kid you not. You had a and Moses like, moment. <laughs> Ooh, I, I looked around. I'm like, oh my God. And I looked at what I had in my hand. I'm like, I hope this thing ain't laced with nothing. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I, I'm hearing voices. <laughs> I'm hearing things. What is this? And I looked around and he said it again. I'm like, oh my God. Mm. My Lord. Helena Barrington came. And I was sitting there and she said, Judy, because I was playing the drum for Family Gospel Choir, uh, one of their drummers. And she called me. She said, let's go walk. Let's go walk. And I want to tell you something. And I said to myself, oh, my God, I smell like reefer. And uh, I said, this lady about the oh, Lord, I know you ain't seen this lady to tell me about my sin. I said, I know that. <laughs> that was my thought. We walked down the set going toward the pharmacy building. And she held my hand. That was the other thing. I was like, oh, Lord, this lady is holding my hand. They're going to say two women walking down the stairs holding hands. <laughs> that was my other thought. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Pastor, I was like, Lord, have mercy. And she said this. She said, Judy, God has anointed you, and he's going to send you across this nation. And I'm saying to myself, did this lady smell this stuff on me? <laughs> This lady know I'm high. <laughs> and she said, you are a mighty woman of God. She said, God created you to help people. You're going to bring a lot of people forth. You're going to. And she just went on and she talked. And I looked at her. And when I tell you immediately, the high left, mm. it left immediately. And I'm just looking at her. And she prophesied, walking me all the way down. What's the street right by the pharmacy building? Is that... um? She walked me all the way down by that building from McGuinn. Mm. Then we walked all the way back. And that whole time she was telling me what she saw and what God said and who God had called me to be. She said, you will be a voice of God in this world, in this city. And I went back and sat on the, on the set where I was. And I was like, wow, God. And he said, that's what I called you to be, Judy. And I'm saying to myself, he sent this lady to come and talk to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. So some friends and I went home to Eastern Florida Sunday School Convention at <laughs> Jacob 
Uh, yeah, Jacob Chapel, uh, the Corn Temple, Corn Temple, oh, in Miami. There, he, oh, down there in Eastern Florida, Bishop. Cole. Yes, sir. <laughs> I yes, grew up. Sir. I was down there too. Mm -hmm. C. H. Mason District, Liberty City, <laughs> Liberty City. We was right there in his church. I was playing the drum, head on shades, eight o'clock at night. <laughs> I ain't gonna ask you why. <laughs> on shades in the church, eight o'clock at night. Oh no, Doctor. Playing Judy. the drum, Pastor. This is it. And you know what? And I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to tell my testimony because what what it what it shows to me is if God saved me and He had an anointing. And one of the things my husband said, and one thing I believe is that God don't start over. If he if he called you to this, this is what he called you to be. And if you backslide, he called you to this. Wow. Yeah. He don't change his calling on you. I was sitting in the in the church with three joints in my pocket. <laughs> People from Daytona, Orlando, St. Petersburg. We were gonna when the preacher get out got up, we were supposed to go out and get high on the corner down there. That was the plan. Outside the church. Oh Lord. Elder Croom. Do you remember Elder Oliver Crooms? Yes, I remember Elder, Elder Croom. He was preaching, but before he he stopped and he said, there's some, he got up to preach. I was getting ready to go out. He got up to preach. He said, I can't preach. I got to do this right here. He said, somebody, you need to give your life to the Lord right now. I was saying to myself, I know it ain't none of me. <laughs> he went on for about 20 minutes. Saying that God want to say, if you walk out that door right now, you will not make it back in here. If you walk out that door and not say, he said, don't you leave here. He said, it is not about going to hell. It's about what God has ordained you to do. But the devil is waiting on you outside. He went on. I would, and as he kept talking, he said, you, you, you're home from college. You're home from college. I said to myself, I know this man ain't gonna call my name. <laughs> he said, You're home because it was it was coming to my heart. He said, But God loves you. He has ordained you. He has called you. He sent you here to get others saved, to help others come out. He said, Your purpose is to help the people. That's your purpose. I'm sitting there like, snap. You're talking about right? me. I'm like, oh my God. So I took off my shades. I was standing out. I was like, oh, Lord. Then he said, he said these words, God loves you too much to allow you to walk out that door to die. And I'm sitting there. The next thing I know, I was getting up off the floor. I had gone to the altar. And it was that night that I gave my life to the Lord. And those three joints fell out my pocket somewhere. Mm. But this little mother came to me after church and gave them to me and said, you could do what you wanted with this. Nobody saw it but me. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. But I didn't know that my my oldest sister, my cousin, two of my cousins had gone on a fast and said they were going to fast for me until I gave my life to the Lord. They went on a fast, mm. absolute fast, and said they were going to fast for me. I didn't know that after I gave my life to the Lord. I told him I would have got saved and just let them keep on fasting. I don't even tell them. <laughs> That's that hood coming out. That hood I coming out. I don't even tell them. I was just going to let them. But it was that night 
that wow. the Lord saved me and filled me with the Holy Ghost. And so from that night, yes, he did. it propelled you into a whole lot of things. And, you know, uh, full disclosure, we're going to be dealing with the church of God in Christ here. So being, being <laughs> saved, <laughs> moving up in, in, in the ranks, becoming an evangelist all the way to where you are now, um, pastoring uh, with your husband, uh, Superintendent Gerald Mandrell, how... What was that like transitioning from being Ooh. saved with on on the floor with joints coming out of your pocket? All, <laughs> all, like, Charlie, you really going in. Oh, you hey, going hey, in. I told you this this is real. This this is a real conversation. <laughs> this, hey, this is Mr. Speaker Speaks, and we are speaking the truth. So <laughs> so 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 what was that transition like from that point? a new Christian to now I'm just going to say not only just being a pastor, but to be a district missionary, to be uh, appointed over, over many different positions in our jurisdiction. What was that transition like that journey? Well, pastor, first of all, the journey of being pastor with my husband, it was great within life changes, but outside of life changes, Man, you know, the church of God in Christ don't believe in what they do now. But 25 years ago, they did not believe the majority of them, especially here in Tallahassee area uh, and and, and abroad. But they did not believe in women being pastors. Uh, But the Lord had called me aside alongside my husband. And that's what I became. God had anointed me for that position as well. But outside, people were saying stuff like, um, um, there's only one vision of the church. Two vision is the vision. God ain't create no two-headed monster. Stuff like that, people were saying. Um, but because I knew by this point, I was confident and sure of what God had called me to be. There's only one vision in Life Changers, and I was Pastor Mandrell. But if we go back to Genesis, he created them male and female, created them, created the, created them, created them. He he created us with the same purpose to multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. And so the vision of life changes was my vision. The vision that he had, but because people don't understand or didn't understand, it was unfamiliar with them outside the church, outside of life changes. On some part, it was hard. But here we go again. Pastor Helena Barrington and Pastor Kenneth Barrington, Pastor Helena Barrington, pastor with her husband. They took, other than that, there was no example, right? And so they took us under their wing and, and taught us how to pastor. Bishop John, Bishop Joseph Brown taught us that, okay? Bishop Evan Stewart, it was there watching Bishop Hines and his wife. I watched them. I watched them. I, I did not want to make my husband ashamed or make him have to go through any unnecessary thing. But then, Pastor, we just kept riding. Mm-hmm. We just kept riding. I learned how to endure hardness as a good soldier. People say something, I learned not to entertain it. I would talk to my dad a lot and my mother. 
I would talk to my grandmother before she died, Mother uh, Caroline Hunter. I would talk with her. And she said, baby, don't you name it. You just do it. Let them call it what they want. You just do what God has put your hands to do. And because of that, Pastor, and during all of that, going through, I have held so many positions in the Church of God in Christ. I, I've been the assistant state supervisor over in Western Florida. I mean, not Western Florida, uh, Northwest Florida under Bishop John Young. Uh, Mother Stella Starworth taught me everything about being a supervisor. I was the assistant state super jurisdictional supervisor for Northwest Florida. I've been the youth president, the nat, the jurisdictional youth president. I was only like the 10th woman president in the whole National Church of God in Christ. I was I was the uh, president of evangelism, the jurisdiction evangelism department in the Church of God in Christ. The jurisdictional went there and uh, Reverend Mr. Clean mm. said we got our first woman president in, in evangelism. Wow. So you've done quite a bit in, in, in ministry. I, I want to ask you this. What would you say to young women right now who are in the ministry? What, if you could tell them two things to help them, to shape them, to mold them, to help them endure based on your would, experiences, what would those two things be? My two things would be this. Always stay in the face of the Lord. Always stay in the face of the Lord. That means always pray. Study the word of God. Always study. Study the word of God. And number two, be confident of the thing that God has called you to do, study that and walk in it with all boldness. Stay humble. You don't have to force your way. You, you don't have to say, you don't have to waste your time saying, I'm a woman. I can preach. I hate when women do that. I'm a woman. I can preach as good as a man. It ain't about preaching good as, as anybody. Just open your mouth and say what God has to say. Carry yourself in a way that even if people lie on you, they can't spot it. Wow. Stay, yeah. That's that's powerful. When you look at, how would you distinguish church and ministry? If there's a difference. Um, or should there I, not be a difference? Because a lot, of, dis- because yeah, a lot of people think, you know, it's like, well, church is this, but ministry is this. But is not church supposed to be doing ministry? I mean, I, I want to get your, your take on it. Because there's so many churches out there, but are they ministering? <laughs> How would I distinguish church and ministry? Well, I believe that the church is the place where we are trained to do ministry. I, I believe the church building. We we are in the Bible. We become the church. We we but He has established the building, the church building. I believe it's an institution where he said prayer shall continue to be made in that place. He hears the prayers made. It. There's something about the church building that has a certain anointing in it that you don't have in your house. That's my belief. Mm. My belief is that coming to church, coming into that house, there's a certain anointing that work in that house. And in that house, it is where we get the understanding of ministry. We should be taught how to minister. Ministry is the work of the church. 
he 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 called us to minister. So as there are different members of the body in the church, he had given us different faculties, different members, right? We we got hospitality folks. We we got uh, administration. We we have um uh, uh everything right there in the church. And if we can learn that the church is a place of training. When we come there, he said that he gave some pastors, right? Apostles, evangelists, and all of that. And that's the church building. That's that that's what he gave us the church for. And that place is to teach us, to to um guide us, to equip us, to bring us into um oneness, to to help us become um um fitly joint together uh, to keep us from going about with every wind and doctrine to teach us uh, is to edify the body of Christ. Mm. So sometimes people miss that part about the evangelist. We're to edify the body of Christ. And so ministry becomes serving. Mm. Now that's key. Cause that, I mean, I, I you know, the, the Bible says that you want to be great. You got to serve. And I, and I think that's an element that's truly missing from leadership within the body of Christ. Uh, that's my opinion. And, and I would agree with your opinion because the, the, the greatest of you should be the greatest servant, right? So the, the higher God take us, not, not, not for accolades, and they will come. People will honor you. He said that men may see your good works and glorify God, right? He said, let, a, let somebody else praise you. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That that is gonna happen, but that that should not be our driving force. Our driving force, Pastor, should be to serve and love each other. And to we, serve and love each other. That's it. You know that that love is key. When oh, you look pastor. at everything that's involved in ministry, I mean, true ministry. Because you know, I, I had a I had a a friend of mine that told me. You know, he told me, you know, when you when you become a pastor, he said, I, I want you to remember this. I want you to I want you to study. I want you to teach the people and don't be a crook. That's what he told me. <laughs> so, I, 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 so, so that sticks in my mind. And with the challenges that go on in ministry, how how do you how do you maintain focus and and what has been some well? What has been one of the greatest obstacles that you've had to overcome in ministry? Because a lot of people think it's just glorified. You know, you can preach, you get, you know, you go out there, you learn three scriptures and you get a tithe box and keep on rolling. (laughs) But but it's not like that. How would you describe one of the greatest challenges and how did you overcome that in ministry? One of the greatest challenges I would have I, I had come from some people in the church that I served with who, no matter what I did, would always try to put it down. They they they, they were like a roadblock or, or, or a hurdle. Like when you're running a hurdle and you have to keep running and jumping over it, right? And your foot would get, if you were, the, I'm, I wasn't a hurdle, but to see, watch people run the hurdle and sometimes their foot don't come all all the way over so they knocked down the hurdle. Mm. That was one of the things that it, it was like no matter what I did, they want to discredit it. Um it was like she thinks she all of that. She that the whispering and the backbiting. Uh, and then people come back and say whatever, 
You know, I'm going to tell you this. I got up and I testified one night. Mm. Uh, no, I was leading devotion. We was oh, at our church. It was a it was a Sunday night service. I'll never forget this. About the, devotion, the you going time. way back. Nobody oh, don't know devotion. That? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you talk about testimony service and devotion. You know they don't know. It's, it's called all they do is praise and worship. They don't worship no time. <laughs> Well, this was when we had testimony service, and you're saying your own son, then you're testifying. <laughs> this lady stood up in church, testimony service, Sunday night, and she said, I just want to say, I really ain't never like um, Evangelist Mandrell. Now, I'm standing up in front because I'm being devotion. <laughs> she, she, said, she said, she ain't do nothing to me. I just don't like her. I didn't like her. She would walk in like she just owned the church. Everybody would just get with her and stuff and did it. She said she did nothing to me, but it's just something about her. Everybody looking at me because I'm supposed to come back. I'm, I'm supposed to say something. I look over in the corner at Mother D.K. Richard and Mother Nethel Hall and Mother Elaine Sims. Because I'm like, what in the world am I supposed to do now? <laughs> what am I supposed to? I think I was married, too. I'm like, what? I, I was married at the time. I'm like, what am I to say now? And people were looking at me. And when she finished, I said, well, God bless you. Thank God for that testimony. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, well, bless the Lord. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> and that, that, that's where, that where you get on. Yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was, I was too shocked to say anything that someone really had that much nerve mm. to stand up and say that stuff. I, I was, I was shocked. Wow. But you know what? I asked, I asked God to help me. I really did. I asked God to help me with my tongue. I asked God to help me. And that night I realized that I had grown some more mm. in the Lord. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was a test yeah. because if you, if you held your peace, then God said, okay, you passed. You passed that yeah. test. I mean, your your life has just been full of so many things, so many stories. Um, before I move to the marketplace, you know, I, I don't want to leave this one out, but we got to, I mean, I'm enjoying this conversation <laughs> and we're going to move to the marketplace and talk about your businesses, but we, we can't leave this out. How did you meet the love of your life? Ooh, pastor, I met the love of my life, Gerald Matthew Mandrell at Watson Temple Church of God in Christ. Oh, you left out the institution. <laughs> oh, it wasn't institution then. It wasn't institution. Oh, my no, God. No, 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 no. I can't, because, see, I came to Washington Temple in 1977. Oh, you the we old. Was a, I, yeah, I'm the old school. Back oh. there when we just had that two-story building. Okay. And church was packed every Sunday, and uh, people were running to get a seat then. You, you had to run to get a seat up in there. Mm. Well, that's where I met him at. He was the roommate of Pastor E.C. Shepherd. Okay. And Pastor E.C. Shepherd drew him, uh, well, not drew him, won him to the Lord. Because mm. he's one of his fruit that's remaining. And I wasn't saved. And he said that he would pray for me. He didn't know he was praying for his wife. Uh, because I was wild. I was having fun. I was, you talking about enjoying college? I enjoyed 
college. You hear I, me what I'm telling you? Oh, I know what you're talking about because I enjoyed it myself too. <laughs> yes, sir. I, and, and they said, save me from a miserable life of sin. I wasn't miserable at all. I, that's what I try to I, tell people all the time. If there was no pleasure in sin, nobody would do it. And that's what I'm that's that's, saying. You're right. That's what now caused right. me to leave University of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole lot of pleasure, not a whole lot of study. <laughs> so they got, so they got rid of you. <laughs> I, I, le- so? I left. I left on my own accord because <laughs> I wasn't with one accord. <laughs> I understand that, Pastor. My Lord. So he was praying for me to get saved, mm. but he did not know he was praying for his wife. Wow. He wasn't just praying for me to get saved. He did not know at the time that God had prepared me to be his wife. And I didn't know that God had prepared him to be my husband. This is the good part. He didn't like me, and I didn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) He thought I was too wild, and I thought he was a nerd. And I'm I'm from the bottom, okay? I know down south. I know you from South Florida down there. Oh, yes, sir. I won't say what they used to call it back then. It wasn't Fort Lockerdale. It was Fort Fort Lickerdale. (laughs) Fort Lickerdale. And he's from Live Oak. He's from Live Oak. Live Oak sausages. Yeah, now them Live Oak sausages. (laughs) My grandma used to want them all the time. (laughs) Live Oak sausages. And this this was the other thing, Pastor. This is what I told the Lord. Um, I think I was a teenager. And and I held true to this. I said, when I got married, I wanted to marry a man who loved God more than he loved me. Mm. I needed to marry a man that was smarter than me. I was concerned that if I read the paper and he read the paper, he wouldn't understand the paper. (laughs) And I didn't want him asking me questions. I wanted to be able to say to him, ask him questions. I I wanted a man who would be able to lead me as a woman of God into higher heights. Those were my prayer. That was, that was my, and I wanted him dark black and athletic. <laughs> I think you now, got most those, of it. <laughs> I got all of it except those two things. <laughs> he ain't nowhere near dark black. But he caused me to grow so much spiritually and to hunger after God like none of them. That man could take the Bible, and I was in. I used to get mad before we started dating, because it seemed like every question that was asked in Bible study, he had the answer, mm-hmm. and he could read the script. They could read the script, and he always had this in-depth knowledge, and that used to make me mad because I'm like, he wasn't even raised in the church, and he ain't from the church kind of crazy. How do you know all this stuff? I was mad. <laughs> I grew up in Sunday school in YPWW. I grew up in Sunday school in YPWW, and I don't even know stuff like this, you know. But and then we had a group of us, about thirty of us, who always hung together, and they would always say, "Well, Mandrell, what you think about this?" I'm like, "Oh, that irks me." Mm. But he loved God. Wow. He loved God so much. I'm like, wow. I mean, he loved, and and one time. I think we had kissed or something. And he said that we weren't going to kiss anymore during our dating relationship. And he said these words to me. I love God more than messing up or doing anything in this relationship that will bring uh, 
any harm or disrespect to to God. Wow. I was like, wow. Ain't never had that before. Mm. It's no different. more kissing. That was real different. I said, no more kissing in a relationship. I said, darling, that what? <laughs> but he would study his Bible. And Bishop Shepherd had said that he was just Pastor Shepherd then, so Virginia Shepherd. He had said that um uh men cars shouldn't be to a woman's house all time of the night, didn't do on it. You shouldn't be car and he did not. He wasn't at my house all time of the night. He didn't call me after a certain time because he was giving honor to what Pastor Bishop Shepherd stated at the time. Mm. And all the while I was like, my Lord, my mm. God. <laughs> so then we started dating. I I started liking him. I became so attracted to that man. I was like, my Lord. <laughs> right? We dated. I had a dream, Pastor, and I want to share this with women. Do not tell a man that you dream that y'all was married. <laughs> I told that man that I dreamed that he was my husband. And I was his wife. He said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he okay. said, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Next thing I know, after a little while, he broke up with me and he moved to Tampa. He got a job in Tampa. <laughs> I was like, wow, I won't do that again. <laughs> I, I never, that. I never tell another man that I saw the guy. But <laughs> the Lord really did show me that I was his wife, mm. and so I just left it like that, right? Mm. He got engaged to somebody else. Wow. He got engaged to somebody else. I congratulated her. We attended the same church. He would come and visit her. All of us would go out to dinner together or lunch or whatever, and uh, the whole crew. And she would sit there and giggle because she had the little ring and all of that. But I forgot the story of how, but somehow God told him that that wasn't his wife. Mm. And he revealed to him that I was. And the rest is history. The rest is history. And how many years has history. it been? It is 39 years. Come October the 17th, 2021, we will be married 40 years. 40 years. Oh, listen to the crowd. Listen at the crowd. And I can honestly say, Pastor. I am a better woman because of it. I love the Lord. I'm dedicated, committed to the Lord. I love reading the Bible. And one of the things I like to read the Bible where he don't see, he hadn't seen that part yet. I like I like for him to say, Wow, I ain't I ain't I ain't seen it like that. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I got you now. What up? I got you. <laughs> that yeah, is... And so, but he, yeah, he has helped me to love studying the word of God. I love it. Wow. I love studying the word. And that is powerful because you know that yeah. that that is that's the way it should be. Uh, 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 you know, the man leading the family, and but all coming yeah. and working together, mutual submission, and that's powerful. My goodness, yes. I mean, I, I'm enjoying this interview, and I'm looking at the clock. I'm just like, oh, but we still got a little oh, bit more to go. We we ain't on live radio, so they can't cut me off. This gonna be up on the <laughs> podcast, so we keep on going. We go, we gonna finish this out because we got to get to the marketplace. Uh, you know, we we've talked about your community stuff, the ministry, but the marketplace. Let's talk, and I'm gonna say real talk for last. Let's talk about uh, the oh. Sister Girls Network and and Dream Builders because it seems like. You have a heart for ministry, a heart for giving, but your passion is with the young women. Talk to us about that in Sister Girls Movement. Pastor, two years ago for my 60th birthday, I wanted to have a birthday with the women. 
I, I just wanted to have a birthday celebration with the women. So I forgot the name of the, the room right next to Harry's restaurant here in Tallahassee. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the sisters it got in the room for me. It it held 50, 50 women. It could it could hold fifty people comfortably with tables and serving. Well, I had people to uh, register. It was free, but I just wanted to see the number. When we got to eighty people, I was like, "Oh Lord, eighty people trying to come for real." Mm. Then we got down to a hundred. We got up to a hundred. 125, 200. I'm like, now all these people coming for real, they they playing with me. So we moved it to New Mount Zion, Pastor Elwood. Mm-hmm. When I tell you over 300 and some women dressed in black with pearls on showed up for that birthday celebration. My, my Lord. We had so much fun. There was, I mean, so much fun. We laughed. They talked about me. People gave what they thought about me. My mom came. My sister came from Scotland. Um, it was phenomenal. It was at that meeting. Well, before that, the Lord had already given to me to bring the women together. But it was at that meeting that we started the Sister Girls Network. I, and that was in February 2019. In August, I had another one in August at TCC just to bring the women together. Over 40, over 400 women showed up. Black, white, rich, poor, commissioners, people from the home, women from the homeless shelter. Every economic status you can think of was in that room. Every position, the mayor's wife, school teachers, police officers. Uh, business owners, everybody was in there. Mm. And at first I wasn't going to have food because I didn't know how many people was coming. And then when it got um, Christy Henry oh yes, said that she called, she said, Pastor Judy, what are you having to eat? I said, I hadn't thought about it. She said, don't worry about it. I got it. She oh. said, what do you want? I said, soul food. And I think the, the owner of Lux, Lux Diner Mm-hmm. They prepared fried chicken, collard green, potato salad, everything. Oh, you, you. <laughs> Somebody was supposed to make me dessert. They didn't show up. Guess what? My husband baked some peach cobbler, came home from work and baked some peach cobbler to bring. And to me, he made the best peach cobbler in the whole world. I ain't even been all over the world. I've been <laughs> a lot of places, but don't nobody Man. eat his peach cobbler. Oh my lord! He they brought he brought that dog. People, one lady said, "Let me lick the pen." <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <laughs> lord, I mean, it was in conversation pain. with Nicole Nicole Everett MC. It was, I mean, it was phenomenal. Mm. I mean, some of ever and you know what we did? We just fellowship with each other. Wow. We we told them it was a sisterhood network. And so and out right of that, now, it was. Mm-hmm. So what do you do now? I mean, is it just around the birthday event or do you do other things? Mm-mm. No, we do. We meet monthly now. Mm. And it's a time. And what it what it is, um, Pastor, women who have other organizations, women who have other businesses is to bring all those women together under one umbrella. Every woman organization, every woman, the business women to bring all of your company under one umbrella for a time of networking and just being together. 
Wow. And how's I mean, that working for you? It's working great. We've been on Zoom since the pandemic. We've been on, on Zoom um, with, with anywhere between 100, 200 women on Zoom. They join and they're coming from everywhere. I mean, everywhere since we've been on Zoom. It was designed just for Tallahassee. But my sister in Scotland, we got people from Italy, the Bahamas, um, California, New York. Everybody's joining in. So how and can they still, find how can they find out yeah. information about it? I mean, is there a I website? Put, I put it on. I put yeah, we we we're redesigning the website. It's uh the Sister Girls Network. Uh we we redesigning that. Uh but I have now just on Facebook and YouTube. Okay. Uh, we put the information out on YouTube on Facebook. We put the flyer. Our next one is gonna be March fifteenth at seven o'clock PM. Yeah, because I want my listening Zoom. audience to find you. Yeah. So it's uh um uh the Sister Girls Network, Real Talk Sister Girls on Facebook. Real Talk Sister Girl on uh, Facebook. Real Talk Sister Girl on Facebook. And um, YouTube, Real Talk with Sister Girls. So that's and or either they could go to www.dreambuildersgreatnesscenter.com. Repeat that for me. www.dreambuildersgreatnesscenter.com. Wow. You can find out more about um, that and, and everything that I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. So this, let's this talk about girl. Dream Builders. What's that all Dream about? Builders, Dream Builders Greatness Center. And it, and it goes again, Pastor, to my why. It goes back to the to the very first thing. Giving away I stuff said. in the project out the freeze. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least now you can buy some cases of meat. <laughs> go to the meat. Yeah, market. see, now you can, can go to the market and buy cases and give out to the and give out to the project, right? So what I've done now, though, with that part is is partner with uh, um, uh, the Tallahassee Peacemakers, which consists of ex felons who serve the community. So I partner with them and serve the community. Wow. Yeah. So now Dream Builders Greatness Center, it goes back to the spirit of the Lord is for me because he has anointed me to preach God and set the poor. The Dream Builders Greatness Center, greatness comes from my sister Carolyn. Uh, Commissioner Bill Proctor. Wow, man. They, I got so many stories. Commissioner Bill Proctor. I know. Proctor, I, I love stories. That's why I'm just sitting here listening. <laughs> Commissioner Bill Proctor. I think it was in, oh, wow, I don't know when, maybe 2000 or no, maybe maybe in the late 1980s, the Lord gave to me to have a citywide youth conference. We, huh? In the beginning of the 90s, in the beginning of the 90s, we had a citywide youth conference. We had over 400 young people to participate from so many different churches. I've never been a traditionalist that's just going to stick with my denomination. I don't just stick with the Church of God in Christ because I believe I'm called to the kingdom. That's yes. my belief. And we all are called to the kingdom. It's bigger than uh-huh. a denomination. It's all it's about being a believer. A, yeah. And so, but we're chosen to sit under the Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, as a covering, but we serve everybody. When I tell you, we went to the gym, and that's when Chris Cross had the um, I had the son got about uh, jump, jump, yeah, jump, jump, <laughs> and I started Jesus make it jump, jump, right? We started that in the gym, and Bill Commissioner Bill Proctor came, and he saw Carolyn, and he said he looked at her, 
He said, there's so much greatness on the inside of you. And so everything is dream builders greatness center. I have a daycare on a daycare start with six weeks to five year old. At the age of six weeks, that infant teacher, her responsibility is to teach those infants at that age to be leaders. Mm. When they go to toddler one, that's ages one to two, teach those children to be leaders. Ages three, leaders. And when we get to ages four and they're getting ready to go to kindergarten, train them like the leaders they are. And that's what Dream Builders Greatness Center is all about. Every single thing is to help people find their purpose and walk in it, starting at a young... I think by the time they get 14, 15, and you start trying to train them, no. I've learned from some of our foreigners, some of the Chinese, Japanese, they start talking to their children in the womb. As soon as they find out that they're pregnant, they read to their children. They play a lot of classical music while the child is in the womb. They're teaching them in the womb. In the womb, I found that out. And so when they get to uh, those ages of six weeks and stuff, there are some things those children are it's already ingrained in those children. My mom taught us uh, train children early. My mom has six weeks to five. She has served over 3,000 children, over 3,000 children, many doctors, lawyers, senators, and they come back to her, right? And so my belief is with the Dream Builders Greatness Center, I want you to imagine it. I want, I want, we have the children to imagine coloring outside the box. I love it. Color outside the box because that's your imagination. When they color something and I go and I say, what is this? And they begin to tell me what it is. I'm like, wow. Mm. I tell the teacher, write it underneath what they said. Send it home to their parents. Send it home to their parents because this is beginning of imagination. I believe the greatest thing we have is imagination. Write the vision. Write your imagination. Write what you see. Write it. Write it. Make it plain. And so it when people read it, they can run with it. But Bishop Stewart said when they read it, they're funded. Mm. People will fund when they they will they will give you money when they see you working it. When they see you making a difference. When they see things happening. So that's what Dream Builders Greatness Center is all about. Making it and happen. guess what? Making it, and it was all birthed out of life changes because when God gave Pastor Mandrell that name, life changes. I'm like, snap! That's what He's given given me to do. So everything I do is birthed out of life changes. And you've spent a life of service, a life of giving, and you yes, spent a lifetime to this point of doing things to change lives. I mean, truly, um, as I read what you had just. Pointing people to the way, taking risks, yep. breaking barriers, cutting through obstacles. Sure. It's all you. I mean, time has just gotten away from us. I love this, but I have one question for you. As You know, as Uh-oh. we say, I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> Closure number one. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got one more point. Getting ready to close. <laughs> say it, preacher. Say it. But no, seriously, you know, that, that life of service. But I have one question for you as I close. This is my final question. I really enjoyed this. I've learned so much about you, Dr. Wow. Mantrell, and it's truly yes, been sir. a pleasure. When you look at your life to this point, you know, as we say, when I think about, you know, what the Lord has done for me, when I look back over my life and all that he's done for me, 
Wow. I want you to answer this question. What matters the most to Dr. Judy Mandrell? What matters the most to me is that I want to hear the Lord say, well done. Not when I get to heaven. I want to hear that too now. I want to hear here when I get to heaven too. But here on earth, when I go to bed at night, Pastor, when I when I finish, I, I want to feel it in my spirit that God is well pleased with what I've done. I, I want people to know that the genuineness of my heart is serving them. I want them to know the motto I live by in life, if I can help somebody while I travel along the way, if I can show somebody their travel, then my living is not in vain. That that is how I live. It 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 gives me the greatest of joy. What matters most is that people know when I come around them and when I'm in their presence that they are the greatest person in the world, that I think that about every person. That's important to me. Even little children, everybody. I, I want them to know that Judy Mandrell really care. I really want them to know. I love the Lord. And I told somebody today, I love God with everything in me. I love him for real. And number two, I love people just like I love myself. Mm, I love me. I love me. But I love people just like I love me. I don't want anybody to say anything bad about me. I don't talk about people. But you can't help what other people say, though. I can't help what people say. But I make sure that I love people like I love me. Because that's what he told me to do. You got to love. And then he told me, don't think more highly of yourself than you are. Which means you think highly, but don't think too highly of yourself. Don't do that. Yeah. Got to keep it So I get under my body. I get under my body and bring it under subjection. I really do. Keep it all in perspective with Dr. Judy Mandrell. It has truly been a pleasure talking with you. Oh, my goodness. And as we close, I'm just going to ask you to hang on a little bit afterwards so I can talk to you after this is all over. Uh, You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. And tonight I've had the pleasure to speak with Dr. Judy Mantrell. And she's shared her life story. It's all about purpose. It's all about sharing. It's all about giving. You know, so just... One takeaway, one takeaway I want to say with my listening audience today from Dr. Judy Mandrell, it's all about purpose, but you got to make it happen. So, so we getting ready to close back in the day. They say, warm it up over there, but we just going to bring the music in. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker speaks yours. Truly Vincent T. Edwards, better known as Mr. Speaker. Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed. But most of all, if you don't remember anything from Dr. Judy Mandrell, be a blessing to someone.